When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a uh, Thursday, even after a shitty uh, Philadelphia Union loss. Um, you know, we were considering just taking that tape and burning it and never, you know, talking about that game again. But we feel obligated to do that, and we feel obligated to do that with a, a first-time guest of the program, even though you've heard the, the, the pair uh, he and I talked before on Fox Sports The Gambler on the post-game show. Everybody welcome in John Jansen to the program. Yeah, good to be invited on a soccer podcast. Never thought uh, in my days I'd be invited onto one of these, but it's good too. And we've been getting a lot of good feedback on that. So anyone who's listening to this, that's listened to the post game show, that's tweeted at us, uh, it's awesome. I love doing post game show stuff and love doing it for the union. So it's been that good was to hear all the cool. feedback. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of good feedback about that last year. That was nice, you know, because uh, you know it was the first year, the second year. What year are we in now? Is this year two? I think you're uh, two. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it was cool to, 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 I know, I know everything's just a blur for me these days, but, um, it was nice to get the feedback on that. So we appreciate, or we enjoy doing it if, as long as you guys appreciate us uh, doing it for you, you know? So, um, you know, not much to talk about on last night's, um, post game show because they threw up a stinker in Chicago. And I guess I probably jinxed it when I pointed out that the union were had amazing odds there that you have to put that money. Joe in. Tanzi called it the most disrespectful line of the season. That's when we knew <laughs> the union were going to lose. That's but this is MLS. Like this is MLS odds in a nutshell here, because there's so much parody in the league that like, it, it does seem inconceivable that the number one team in the conference goes and plays the last place team in the conference plus 190 something to win i think you get like a draw no bet for like plus 115 i think you got a double chance for like minus 155 yeah in, in terms of like betting it reminds me actually it's more situations than it is teams and how good they are yeah uh, because like in the nba if it seems on a back-to-back and traveling on the second leg of that back-to-back you know the book's obviously going to reduce that price a little bit if it's a really good team going on the road maybe taking on a bad one they'll reduce that price because the situation tells you yeah, they're you know the odds are they lose this game or it's a closed game, so they'll adjust the lines accordingly. It feels like that in the MLS, that situation kind of means everything. The Union, yeah. uh, with that Sunday game going into a midweek one, already thin roster to begin with because of the U twenties. So it felt like more situational than it did anything else. Vegas playing the letdown angle and also looking at the fact that they even before they before they had won against New York the other day, they had however many straight draws, you know. So I think it probably made sense on on their end. But you know, if you can get like you know, there's a sixty six percent chance that a team is going to draw or win a game right and if you can get that uh double chance at minus 155 like you know, you you play those odds for like for comparison here for people who don't know what the hell we're talking about like you can if like liverpool is like favored over like uh pick a team like watford or something like that like a double chance for liverpool would would come out to like minus 700 or something yeah. You know, so it's just it shows how much parity there is in MLS. And, you know, even though like I probably would not even recommend anybody gambling on MLS ever, 
um, you know, at least wins and losses and stuff like that. Now, fair like a union, you know, like the under 2.5 is going to hit probably most of the time, but <laughs> you can, you can make a lot of your money back like really quickly just cause you, you, you hit on some of these crazy plus odds. It's like, holy shit, you know? So there's value. There's just a ton of value out there. It's just crazy. Cause there's just random randomness. Happening yeah. That's it's something I haven't looked into yet, you know, cause obviously baseball, I trade it as like a stock market and sort of betting is like that to begin with, but baseball in general, it's more of like, are you getting a, a buy low price in a team? You know, maybe they lost four or five and the price is down, but they they're in a good spot. You know, uh, I, I don't know if it's like that with MLS because look, the situation could have called for it. Yeah. Chicago winning, but at that price, would you have, would you have bet it? Because the yeah. books are already telling you, we think that's already going to happen. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked too much into MLS betting, but that's, that was certainly one of the cases of this is why maybe some people don't do it because that was a good spot to bet Chicago. Just the price didn't suggest it. Um, I just thought it was a classic letdown game. <clears throat> yeah. They didn't rotate any of the squad. They're lacking depth with the kids being away and, you know, emotional kind of whatever with, with Paulie rushing, you know, <laughs> coming off that thing. And, so, you know, you go to Soldier Field, you're playing for like 100 people, and like, how do you get up for that? You know, they just looked off the entire time. They had some moments in the second half there before the red card, but uh, I don't know. To me, it was just a throwaway game. Did you see anything different? No, you know, it's what their second loss of the season. So I don't want to I know. By the way, just real quick, it's it's insane that we're sitting here. What is it? What is today? 6 30, 22. And we're talking about the union's second loss of the yeah, season on June 30th. Like, let's have some perspective here. Yeah. And the thing is that their, their losses like this or their games like this are going to look a lot different than others. Because I think if, if you're an NYC fan and you look at what happened against Cincinnati yesterday, you're like, well, we scored four goals, came back three nothing. But that's NYC. You know, that's yeah. they're, they're more capable of doing that. The union, when they lose games, it's still going to be low scoring it's still going to be gross it's just that when you it's gross and you lose obviously it looks much worse so look this is the union it's going to be low scoring games you know sometimes teams are and they look they deserve to win that one Chicago was the better team overall in that game uh, but it's it's going to look gross either way win or loss it's just the thing is once you get into the playoffs I love when the union looked like that because it works seems to work so well in the playoffs yeah but as of right now like it a June 29 game, uh, a loss against Chicago and it looking that way. Now it's, it's nothing surprising, but it's also nothing, I think too, too much to worry about. No, I think, you know, there's two kind of takeaways that I came from, from, from this game. Number, number one was what you and I talked about with Joe on uh, Sunday, where, you know, if you wanted to go negadelphy with a New York win, you could say to yourself, Hey, like the goals that they scored were not much of anything. You know, you got your deflection at the end there. And then you got, uh, you know, the the Ua goal where he's kind of bumping into the defender at the same time. Sean Johnson is doing God knows what, you know. Um, and then you go back to the game before that. They got the really nice left footer, I think, from Ali Bedoya, which was a nice goal for sure. But then you go back to the game before that, before the break, um, and it was the bullshit or goal where Omar Gonzalez cleared the ball, hooked the ball right across his own box, and it was just the right place, right time. So three, so three out of the last four goals that they've scored are just kind of like, uh, you know, like nothing, nothing to really in- inspire you to think that like the offense has found it. Yeah. There was um, only one. It was the the Portland game really that they, they, they probably had better opportunities and good yeah. goals in that game more than others. Um, it, it felt like actual quality chances that they had and went in instead of luck. Yeah. Uh, but that's really the only one other than that. You no, know, but that's, that's typical union though. We saw that last year. I mean, I think they were able to win a bunch of playoff games with that. Obviously, they had that rocket from Glessness yeah. they've been getting. But, yeah. you know, it's it's ugly goals, but they're they're completely fine with that because they're likely going to hold a team to one goal or less. It's a pretty good point, man. Yeah, I mean, they, the union aren't, aren't exactly uh, sexy when they're when they are winning. You know, it's gross yeah. when they win, and it's even more gross when they lose. But, you know, that is effective, you know, 
playoff style, you know, what other cliche can I use? Blue collar, hard hat. Yeah, shit, blue, you know? yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's what it's built for. I mean, like you need that stuff in the, in the postseason that benefited them last year. I mean, they, um, they were down 11 dudes and almost, almost won anyway. So, um, so that was my one takeaway. It was just like, you know, the, the, the goals over the last couple of games, there's nothing, nothing that I see that's like, Oh, they've figured it out. You know, and the other takeaway was, um, you know, Jose Martinez gets the red card. He throws, I, I think he threw another bird at a fan and did the Randy. I think he Moss, did the Randy Moss thing. The Randy yeah, Moss, yeah. like pulling, yeah, pulling the pants down, but not all the way moon. So that was interesting. Um, you know, the other night he did the, the Philly urologist double bird. And then in this one, he did a single bird in the Randy Moss. So Jose Martinez is having himself quite a week. Um, I know. But, well, within that too, had a spectacular game, maybe his best of the season, and then comes back with one of his worst too. Yeah, yeah like yeah, it's I, it's been a wild few days, I would say for Martinez. No, I think you know the weird thing. Like I'm trying to like uh, quote unquote advance the story with that, as we say in the journalism business. Like I think we all know that he's an international quality guy, and he'll make the jump to Europe or somewhere bigger at some point. I think those are the things that hold him back. You know, it's the disciplinary stuff. It's keeping your head. It's knowing that you play in a in a crucial position where you just can't afford to take that first card to begin with. If you're, you know, Daniel Gage dog and you get up on a guy's heels and you clip him or something like that, it's fine. You can play the rest of the game as the number 10 without going into any kind of tackle or any kind of like yellow card type of challenge. But Jose put himself behind the eight ball with that first one there. And uh, the second one was ridiculous because Casper Shabilko, all respecting the world to him for everything that he did, for this team for many years, he's slower than a Galapagos tortoise, you know? So you get beat by him at the 50 yard line and they instinctually, you have pride. You don't want to get beat. So you grab the guy's Jersey and then you're like, Oh shit, I'm on a yellow. I forgot, but he had coverage back there. Anyway, Glessness was standing back there and then he gets sent off and it's like, yeah, why don't you trust your coverage? It's usually very good to begin with. So yeah, Yeah, it's, it's just situational. It's sometimes like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he understands situation, especially when it comes to that, like on that, on that first yellow and, and, at risk for the second one, you know, situationally kind of understanding those, but um, I I, look, Martinez is still obviously a great player. So those margins, you're right. They, they, I would think they mean a little bit more when you go over maybe up, up a league internationally, but right now in the MLS, like he's just, he is one of the best at his position and union are much better for it. But, you know, I I think going back to the goal scoring thing too, you know, I, I think that the disappointing thing is that it seemed like they worked on, getting better at it like we thought that there was going to be that next step and it almost seemed like it was happening with Carranza and Goshdag because I thought they were creating creating chances that I don't remember seeing from the union last year and probably not since like Brendan Aronson but that even came on late like Aronson wasn't Aronson with the union you know that kind of came on really late and we didn't get to see much of that they were creating a lot of chances that you go whoa like the eye-opening wow that was great you know there was it was a playmaking ability it was you know creating an open shot you know creating something that forces the defense into a penalty, anything like that. But that's just not been happening. And we thought that that was maybe turning the corner and Ua was going to be part of that and Gostag was going to be part of that and Carranza. And that's just – it's disappointing because that's just not been happening lately. And we thought – it's the same union, so it's fine because we've seen they've been able to win like that before. But we thought – at least there were going to be some changes with that, or at least look somewhat improved. This season. It's got to be tough to play as the number 10 in this system too, because you barely touch the ball, you know? And it's like, you know, then you got to make your chances when you do get the ball, you got to make them worthwhile. It only seems like it, for Gostag, it seems like he gets a few touches each game in a spot yeah. where he can make something happen with Yeah, it. And then he, and usually he makes the like, right read, but the thing is, is, is he, the other guy on the same page? Or are they making the right move? It's just, there's got to be a lot to happen at once. For And then for you compound games. the frustration because when you fuck up a pass or something like that it's like oh i don't know when my next one is going to come maybe five minutes before i get another opportunity around the edge of the box you know so it's got to be 
frustrating for them to play that way, you know. But at the same time, he looked like like impatient last night. Um, the final passes that's been growing. It feels insane. like. Yeah, and like Ua hasn't done anything. Like he had that run where uh, the CB uh, uh, Shikos or however the hell he says his last name kind of put, uh, was played actually very well. Just kind of shepherded him out, played a strong foot, pushed him out to the side, and then he had the weird back heel coming in the other way. But it's like you know Carranza. Then he wasn't really able to do anything in the hold up game, or like he, I think he had like one shot that he got off. But yeah, I mean like the front three is still. I know it's not a great system to be a striker and or be a number ten in, but like your opportunities you're gonna to have to do something with them even if you don't have as many of them as other guys do you know so it's it's a life you're uh living yeah and it it does feel like because every time you know either halftime or post game or whatever it is uh and mostly during halftime there's always a quick interview with jim Curtin, and it feels like every single time he says the same thing you know we got to clean things up but also we have to give guys dag more touches but like i don't like you just said i don't know how that happens you know i don't know i don't know what needs to change for that to happen or if they really can change anything you know, yeah. big schematically to make that happen. But there seems to be an effort to get him more touches each game because he, he really can do something special with it. He's got a, a nice creative bag of tricks that uh, I think the union, no other player has on the union. So that's something that they need to use. But just how do you, again, do that on limited touches? About 12 minutes in here, and quite frankly, we've spent more time on the <laughs> Chicago game than it deserves. But that shows well on us that we're able to, to do that much on it to begin with, you know? I could um, go three hours on it. You know me. I can, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a typical radio host. I can, I know. How, I how can many, peel the onion, even though there are probably only two two or three layers to it, really. There was one post-game show, I think, this year where it was like a nil-nil or something, and you and I just pulled like 30 minutes out of our <laughs> ass out of nothing. I was like, wow, that was actually very impressive, you know? So I don't even know what I was talking about, but it was good. Um, I've gotten really good at bullshitting. If, if it's it's there's business. an art form yeah. to it yeah there's an art form to it for sure um the nyc game i mean i could do like 10 hours of the nyc game and i was like getting kind of heated on the, on the post game show yeah let's actually work like well let's just let's just like go chronological order from like the final 15 minutes of the game to the end so the paul rushing thing is, is the first big thing which is hilarious so actually since you know um we did the post game show he got the second game suspension and he got the fine or whatever and it was like oh aggressive behavior blah 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 mls always like uses this like soft ass language like, oh he was you know violent behavior so he trying to give him like a love tap you know like, come on like, i've seen worse in the casa league you know that yeah, just say make- a shove or something why can't they yeah, shove them shove or whatever yeah. so here's here's my thing when we were talking about this the other day like we were we were talking, you and I were talking about how a lot of people deserve blame for that whole stupid thing getting out of control. Number one, if there's a player down, like the ref's gotta kind of cordon off that area, just say, yo, call on the trainer, everybody back the fuck up, let the trainer do his thing, and just don't touch the dude when he's on the ground. You know what I mean? Like the trainer's standing there, so Acevedo goes over, he grabs him on the shirt and does like the get up your fine thing. Paulie pushes him off, which I thought was fine, no issue. But then he gets up, I don't and I can't read uh lips especially like in spanish or whatever right so it's like when he gets when he got up and he pushed him the second time that's what i think kind of set off the whole whatever and i'm not saying he was justified or wasn't justified but like when he did the first push whatever nothing happened he did the second push that's when castianos came over that's that's the one i thought he instigated the most i i think castianos is a snake by the way i do not like that guy when he only comes over and says something to somebody or puts his hands on somebody if they're already like engaged 
Yes, he's with the somebody worst. else. Yes, yeah, yeah. he's the and <laughs> I love Goshag. It's still my favorite thing of the year. Goshag telling him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, can you just please yeah. shut the hell up? Well, that was a great. Nobody yeah, wants to hear that. I got that video clip. Yeah, yeah. But it's. I think that was the one that really instigated it all because it felt like the 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 other NYC player was fine, kind of just like after the second shove, like all right, I'm just gonna get out of here, like whatever, yeah. you know. The he, he's not getting up. He's just milking it. I'm just gonna walk away. And yeah. it felt like it was pretty much harmless after that. Trainer did not like how close the player was. Shoved the player. Player went back a little bit. Second shove. Player went, all right, whatever. Bleep this. I'm out. Then yeah. Cassianos comes in with the shove out of nowhere. And that's when the union players saw that shove. And that's when the NYC Reacting players ended up rushing. And everybody yeah. reacted to it. And yeah. that's the one where like it felt like it escalated the situation. But that's when everybody else was in the wrong because rushing should not have done anything more than that. Uh, the fact that he got involved and went around for like a second and third time, like, no, at that point, hey, I'm the athletic trainer. I shouldn't be yeah. escalating this. I should be walking away. Like yeah. that's Cassianos to me was the one that really started started all of it. It felt pretty harmless the first interaction. But once that happened, it just was all hell broken loose, and it seemed like everybody was in the wrong after that. Do you remember when they played up in New York earlier in the year and there was a similar thing? It was like behind the goal. I think Blake was holding on to a ball or uh Cassianos came over and tried to like knock it out of his hands. I know I know there I mean, was was some uh, a small kerfuffle. There was there was some conflict in, in that game. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, but it's just like funny because these things are always start off as nothing and baseball brawls are the same way too where it's like, you know, somebody wants a piece, then they get all excited or whatever. And Pavetta and Guerrero Jr. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like um I just think it's funny because I've I have never I've been watching sports for 30, whatever years now. I've never seen a trainer or a doctor or like a physio get thrown out of a game before in my entire life. Somebody well, did share a story on uh, the crossing broad Facebook page where they said uh, in the nineties, there was a Sixers a doctor who got like a technical foul, <laughs> technical called on him or something. Cause he was like complaining about a call, but I've never heard I bet of that's like, happened before. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Somebody yeah. chirping too if much. You're close to in, in basketball and hockey, you're close to the action, but like the football, you know, football or soccer, you got to run 50 yards before you get anywhere close to. Yeah. And it, it, soccer and people don't like it, but like soccer's do run in like a different set of rules than like everybody else. And yeah. like yeah. soccer, like, it always seems like they're they're so close to a player that's injured. Like in football, if somebody was injured, especially if you had any kind of inkling that it was somewhat of a head injury, there'd yeah. be nobody within 50 yards. Like teams go to their no. sidelines or teams go to their huddles. They're nowhere near the player. Like mm-hmm. soccer is the one sport that I can I can recall if a player's on the ground, like players just circle around him and like uh, over top of him. They're and just I, hovering. I just that, yeah. yeah, hovering around. Like, and I feel like there's yeah. no boundaries to that. And obviously an athletic trainer wants to do his job and make sure the player's okay. But, you know, I feel like that's where the conflict happens of like, man, the, the guy is a little bit close. So it does feel like the trainer is kind of at least closer in the action to get more involved because in the NFL, nobody's, nobody's around the guy. Nobody will be within 30, no. 40 yards of this guy. No, no. And if they take him over then, and there's the blue medical tent, which I want to fire into the yeah. sun. Nobody's around him for that. <laughs> I can't see Jack shit coming out of there either. So yeah, it just seems a little weird how everybody just kind of hovers it. The other thing, the final point I'll make on this is like, um, it's so stupid because Acevedo's like giving him the get up, you're fine, whatever thing. But the the, the clock is still rolling, man. Yeah. The ref is adding that back on. Okay, so really the only thing, the only legitimate gripe you can have if Carranza or anybody is faking it, and I don't want the union to be fakers. I don't know if he was faking it or not, but I don't want them to, to do that. The only legitimate gripe you can have is like, hey, you're killing our momentum, right? If like uh, 
you know, old Miss flying down. The, I, it was it was absolutely impatience. Not just from I think field. the clock, but yeah, yeah. You know, like we see this in college football. Actually, sometimes you got to hurry up offense, spread, no huddle, bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden, dude from LSU has a cramp. You know, now your momentum is gone. Now the clock has stopped, so no, so that doesn't matter. So you can't accuse him of milking anything, but he's trying to like blunt your momentum. You know, so that's yeah. really the only gr- true gripe that you can have there because yeah, that's these, that's what it felt no, like. To me. There's no time wasting when the clock is continuous. You know, so um, okay. So then the second thing that came up was the handball on Kai, um, which resulted in the equalizer. Then, and you and I were talking about this. This is my least fucking favorite thing on the planet. Like I've just I've been saying on this podcast from day one. I just hate how these small bang bang things have such like sweeping huge changes in the course of the game. Okay. So you have a bang, bang thing where a ball hits a guy's hand as he's going to ground. And he's like at an angle that's perpendicular to the goal. The XG on that cross is probably like 0.01. And yet the punishment for that is a free, basically a free shot at goal, you know? So I don't, I've always, I've always felt like with those situations, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. It's not much of a crime in the first place anyway. So I've always said I would the way that I would redo that is that if you have like an inadvertent handball somewhere in the box, you give an indirect free kick, which are exciting plays in the first place. We don't get enough of them to begin with. Um, and, you know, if some guy pulls a Luis Suarez and he goes and bats the ball out of the – keeps it from going into the goal from point blank range, you red card that guy and you give the penalty anyway. But I just don't think that these cheap penalties really benefit – um, anybody, and that's that's how I would start the conversation before I even get into what the fuck is a handball. And what's yeah, not. exactly, because that's it's the language of it that's all weird. But yeah, it, it would be you know trying to figure out what to do in that situation first, um, because they, they were in a spot like you pretty much just could have given them a corner kick. To be honest with you, they were they were pretty much yeah. almost behind the net at that point, uh, and that's why the the NYC player was desperate and just trying to kind of cross it in because he was in a horrible position. And Kai Wagner knew that, so he went down. I think made the right play. It's it's just a thing of, of a circumstance of what what else do you want him to do? Like, do you want him like maybe to 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 slide with like his arms across his chest or something like that? Like, how do you yeah. how do you play that? Because it felt like to me his yeah. arm was try he was trying to tuck his arm in, but obviously you know it's going to extend out a little bit, and that's when yeah. it hit his hand. So well, that's I, the I don't point know, that I was I don't trying know what to make. Done that's the point I was trying to make to you yeah. at the end of the show the other night because I think like I don't I don't like the idea like natural position because natural is arbitrary in sport. Okay, Reggie Miller used to shoot like this, yeah. right? I'm making like a weird motion with my hands that people can't see, but like he was a great shooter. Nobody said that like his. Can you say that his position with his hands was unnatural? No, because that's how he shot. Sean Marion was the same way. It's like oh, how I'm saying, yeah. you know, it's like how how people want to say, well, the arm is in like an unnatural spot or like you're making an unnatural motion or whatever with it. But I was saying to you, like, how many people have you ever seen run or slide without moving their arms or with their arms at their side or like your, your arms are always going to be out and up? Yep. You know, when you jump for a header or whatever, you generate momentum with your arms, too, and you pull your arms down as you arch your head forward. So sometimes like your an arm is dangling or whatever, you know? And so I just don't, and in the case of Kai too, we were laughing about it on the post game show. Cause I'm like, this is not like the, the ice luge at the winter Olympics, you know, where he's like <laughs> sliding on his back with his like arms pinned to his side for like aerodynamics here. It's like in the process of running and then going over that he has to, there has to be a time for him to pull his arm in and he's making that motion down to his, to his body. I just, I just don't like any of that at all because who defines what's natural and what's not. You know, 
Yeah, and again, that's it's the language of it. But you know, I I always have to feel like there's got to be intent on it. You know, maybe maybe he does like put his arm up a little bit. It always feels like that that handball roll is for like when a guy maybe is trying to like deflect something. It's almost like the kick ball in NBA. Obviously, there's yeah. a lower stakes on that, but it's yeah. like the intent of like, all right, it kind of hit his leg. You know, let's let's kind of move it or yeah. you know, restart the play, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Something like that should be because even a, a kick ball could be if you throw it at the guy's foot or whatever that can still be a, a kickball and you're, you're throwing it in. That's what it feels like it should be. But like, if there's intent, if the guy like puts his arm out and I, I hate to say even in an unnatural way, but like flings his arm out, just to, like put it in front of the ball or something. Yes. Th- there's some intent there, but when yeah. it comes to sliding, I, d- I don't know how you can, how you could say that's like a natural, unnatural position. I don't know. Like just guys slide differently. And you know, I've, I would slide probably different than the next guy. And like, if he's flailing his arms up, yeah, maybe that's yeah, a little bit yeah. excessive, but be, what Ty Wagner point, did was completely natural. To no, me, if you're more. point blank, if it's point blank, you're like a exactly. foot away from the guy and it's ball to hand, then no problem. If you're standing, you know, 10 yards away and somebody takes a shot and you're trying and you're like trying to lean a shoulder or a chest into it and you like chicken wing it or something like, then I get it because there's a distance between there where you kind of have time to react. But like, these these close contact bang bang kind of things are not like that that's so, not why it was put it was not we didn't put these rules in place for shit like that to be punished, you know? So there's there's two ways I think to go about this then. Would you want to change the language of the rule or would you just want to change the severity of it because it's too too much of a judgment call? Man, I think if you just change the punishment that stems from it, then you would mitigate the problem. You know, I I think there's a couple ways to cut out the problem. I think language is always fuzzy anyway and always arbitrary because you change the language to something else and then people will find a problem with that language, you know. So I would just like the punishment to be less severe, even if you kept like the, the handball language in the way it is, but you just made it so it's not an automatic penalty, then that would be fine for me. I just think there's too many games not just in MLS, but in world soccer, they're just decided by bullshit penalties, you know, and penalties shouldn't be just decide legit penalties too, should not be as important as they are. I mean, look at all the goals that Ronaldo scores off of penalties, you right. know, and you got to make the disclaimer. Okay. That this many were from the spots. I just want penalties in general to be not as big a part of the game. Yeah. As well, they it's, are it's, now. Cause yeah, it's it's like in, in the NBA, you get a couple of free throws, but it's not like you know changing the game entirely. It's it's giving them a couple of points. Yeah, yeah. it's was an attacking call, sure, but a team didn't win because of those two free throws. You know, it's the penalty changes yeah. the entire it changes yes. the entire game, and yeah, it did yeah. for the Union. I mean, that could have been I could have ended up horribly for them where they get another draw instead of the three points on something that wasn't mm-hmm. really uh, their fault or they were any at fault in that goal. No, like, exactly. that should have been like, an easier win yeah. for the Union. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I like like hockey. Here's an example. Like, okay, you have a guy who goes to the penalty box, but you still have a chance to kill the, the, the penalty, you know, but you give a penalty shot. If he yanks down a guy who's you're like obviously giving him a clear advantage to score. But so you're not in like these other advantage. sports, like the punishment fits the crime where soccer, we go from like A to Z in like two seconds for, for yeah, some dumb reason. Right. The final point I want to make about that is what I was saying. Just a, repeat of the thing from the other night but you know a lot of times you see these like defenders now because they're so afraid they're gonna get a fucking handball called on them that they go up and they defend with their hands behind their back and it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen in my entire life no coach is ever gonna teach or should have to teach a kid to defend with his hands behind his back you know like cut off two of your appendages and just try to like contain a guy or block a guy because it's not it's just not like what, what are we doing? If that's what it is, you know, like your proper technique, you got your hands up for value to your side for balance. You know, you're angling a guy, you know, you're using your feet the right way and you're trying to read and react. You know, nobody should ever have to teach a 
10-year-old kid, hey, you don't want to get a penalty here. So stand here with your hands behind It's almost like, hey, anytime you're in the box, make sure hands go, you know, put them in your pockets, put them on your sides. Like, yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. That's not that's not beneficial to like anybody. You know, I already kind of have problems. I understand the concussion thing where you don't want little kids heading the ball until they like because you don't you want to cut down on head injuries and you know CTE is a thing and whatnot. But at the same time, part of me, my other like you know devil's advocate side of that argument is, hey, if we teach these kids how to head the ball properly, right. then you know they're not going to injure themselves. And how do we teach them to head the ball properly if we cut it out of the game entirely? So it's kind of similar to that, but. Um, the last point that I wanted to make from that, that game, there was another penalty shout at the end, you know, and it was like, actually, you know, then the Chicago game, there was a penalty shout too. Actually, let me do that real quick. Cause I forgot about that in the Chicago game. I didn't think that was a penalty on Corey Burke just because no. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have an angle. I mean, I didn't see an angle, maybe VAR look, maybe the ref looked at it upstairs and he had a different angle that we didn't have on TV. And maybe he was like, okay, maybe Corey was already going to ground or there wasn't any contact on the leg, but it looked like he Bornstein definitely did not get ball. Right. I just think so from the front will, angle, it was hard to see if he got his leg, too. So the only thing I'll say to that is that it at least should have gone to VAR. It should have. It was too yeah. big of a play, too important of a play, too close. And it, like that's what you're saying. Like it, it should have not been a penalty, which I I can't say it should or shouldn't have been, yeah. but it was close. And it was a call that could have changed the game and a call that maybe should have been made. You have to go to VAR on that. Or if at VAR, least just let why us, is VAR let there us, if yeah. you're not going to use it on a play? Yeah, like yeah. That? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. Yeah, and that's they I use it on the second handball, potentially second handball in the union when it wasn't even close. Or I, th- I don't think they actually did. They go to a VAR on that one. Um, I think they I, I did. Can't they, or did they at least stop the action? I at least I remember they, they stopped the action yeah. and were like thinking about maybe. Going I think to the ref. Yeah, I think the ref was waiting. Like he had his hand to ear, like he was right. waiting okay. for something. That to come none of that happened. Like it, it just went on. And no, like, and those. That's another good right. example though, because the ball was so close. I think it was Harriel and uh, Castellanos weren't even fa- facing away from goal and like jostling for position. So their hands is up because they're trying to shoulder and like elbow and leverage and like so. Of course, your arm is going to be up. That's a natural thing too, as you as you jockey for position next to a guy. And so, if your like finger touches the ball as you guys are both like trying to get to it, that's that's not like that's not a like a dubious infraction. You know, it's like two guys are banging into each other, and one of them happened to touch the ball. It doesn't like change. I can't believe, but that's that's when you know it's a problem. Where I can't even believe that was zoomed in on, discussed, play was stopped to be like, do we need to look at this? Like know, that was that was such a bang bang play that was harmless, and all of a sudden it, it almost turned into. A, a win for NYCFC because of yeah, that. and these and should these shouldn't should be happen. these. This this is the thing. How much time in this podcast did we spend? And maybe it's different if we talk about um, you know Chicago differently or like take it in another direction if we want to. But the biggest the biggest takeaways, the biggest talking points from the New York game were number one, the trainer being ejected. You know, VAR penalty call number one and VAR penalty call number two. So you come out of it, and that's all we're talking about. You know. Because they have such significant bearing in a 90-minute game. A thing that they takes a half a second has such a significant bearing in a 95-minute game that it just kind of dominates and lords over other things that are like worth talking about. And it's like, I know, I know we can talk about whatever the hell we want to, but those are the big like takeaways. So I just I just wanna I just want to see a change where it's not like like penalties, cheap penalties and bullshit like that aren't like totally like 
dominating the game, and that's all we ever talk about. Was that a penalty? You know. Well, yeah, the, and always the problem with that is it's not like MLS after the season can be like, all right, let's discuss our rules. All it's it's such a soccer's a global sport, and yeah. you know they, everybody wants to be kind of uniform. Obviously, it's games are played a little bit different in each, and, and not played different. It's more the style. You know, maybe you know referees are different. I know Concacaf is always. Uh, yeah. kind of talked about in that way but yeah. there's still this kind of uniform rules across the board and so it, it feels like to change anything and soccer fans always feel like they're reluctant to change anything but it's like the nfl can go change pass interference in one off season i think they even change it during the season like said to stop calling it because they can it's their league it's yeah. 30 32 teams and 32 owners and they make it make it happen when soccer it just feels like it's it's such a big deal to change anything in that sport yeah because fifa is involved and you know you got to get europe yeah. on board and you know if we tried doing something different over here then europe is like oh look at the yanks trying to do some shit right. again you know what i mean so you're like you're kind of you the know, mls like, is kind of at the mercy of that because it, it yeah. is oh like oh now they're playing american soccer not how we play it here like yeah it's funny how they show here. like the video when jesse marsh went to leads of him doing like an old school mls run-up shootout you know back in like 19 <laughs> 97 or so like what is this shit you know what i mean but like it was different at the time it, you know it's harmless but you know you gotta right you, like what you're saying is like you gotta have like the rest of the world on board which is not an easy thing to do i mean soccer is such an old school game I and mean, there's a lot of you know like even in you know there's dudes in england who be like why are we even tallying assists you know <laughs> and i'm like well probably like, you, can up, probably, you can yeah. up, you're not change the game uh completely you can update it a little bit and that's just how I've always felt about it. Um, all right, we can wrap it up on one more here. I, I'll just give you the final thought, man. I, you know, they got Columbus coming up on Sunday, and you got DC after that. And like, I don't, what, what's your what's your confidence level that they're gonna, you know, figure it out here and start scoring some goals? Yeah, I, th- I think what happened differently last year, and why why this seems. I guess more urgent this year. I have to say urgent because they're in the, the first seat, but last year they came out so slow. They were in CONCACAF and they were doing somewhat successful there and ended up facing Club America, but they started off really slow and it was all right. They had a lot of ground to make up, but we believe they can do it. And they did. Yeah. They started off strong this year. So to, to all of a sudden like revert back to, you know, a lot of the, the old habits and some of the problems that we thought they had last year, it was kind of alarming and okay, this union team was good. They're still first place in the East and all that, but you know, why are they reverting back to some of these things? Shouldn't they be getting better? There's no CONCACAF. There's no, you know, any, anything other than that, but still, it's just, I, I think the union are still finding their way. There's, they still have a new player in uh, Michael Ua that needs to figure things out with uh, Gostag and Carranza. He hasn't played a lot with them. So I, I still think there is, and even July last year, I remember wasn't good. It was August and then September where they really made a run. And I kind of think it's setting up for that. Like, I think we are setting up for, um, everything to kind of fit in place for the union once even I think July comes around, but like once we get into August and September and then the playoffs, you know, I think that's when you start seeing the, this union team in in a way that we were expecting earlier this season and even these parts of the, so I'm not like, I'm not saying like last night's game, that was a bad loss. It was a bad loss, but it's going to happen throughout the season, but the union, my confidence level in them of, you know, getting, getting back on track and looking better, come around to you know the important months of the season i still think they are absolutely capable of that they are i i still think the best team in the east if not the best one of for sure yeah i agree with that i think what i would just like to see is jim like be able to influence this a little bit you know be it like a tactical just shift or maybe you know trying to get a little bit more out of like a like a mcglynn or like a sullivan or a, a pax and aaron well that needs to happen that yeah. hasn't happened yet that absolutely yeah. needs to happen yeah like how did maybe this u20 stuff is the one that's the catalyst for it but it needs to yeah, you know, because, you know, we talk about how, 
you know, I think, you know, when Jim turned the corner a couple of years ago, Ernst came in, got him some better players, of course, you know, but they had a defined system, but then he was able to show some tactical flex, go back out to the four, two, three, one. He had El Senior be able to come in and show you a different look. And now I, I, I think probably the biggest concern for the union right now is that there's no plan B, you know? So it's, I think it's on Jim to say, Hey, how do I, how do I show something different here? How, how can I like, you know, kind of break these guys out of a, out of a mold here? Because, you know, otherwise you just get into like a square peg round hole situation where you're just waiting for players to step it up, you know? And so you try to like make that unstuck by yourself. And I'd like to see him like, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I'd like to see him kind of put his imprint on and kind of like get like, like maneuver that a little bit and like kind of push these guys in a better direction, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, it feels like they have the depth to do it. Obviously it's thin now, but look at all the, it's thin because of look at all the U 20 guys that are in CONCACAF right now and successful Sullivan and Paxton Aronson and McGlynn all doing extremely well. So those guys have talent and that, that sort of happened again a little bit later on last year. Um, that happened more in July and August where you're starting to see Aronson come in and score some goals and McGlynn, uh, yeah. even in the playoffs. But those guys, that, that eventually has to happen. Like if, if they can't, because they were already supposed to take a next step forward, and I think they end up doing that. But if that doesn't happen, then I think this union team is in a little bit of trouble. But that's the thing. I, I expect not only their top strikers to get better or you know their, their initial starting 11, especially Carranza and Ua, but Aronson's probably going to be more impactful. McGlynn's definitely going to be more impactful. It, even the fact that they were able to find early on the fact that Harriel and Mbizo are, yeah. are so good and you can interchange those pieces. Like yeah. it, it's, it's good, but eventually you're right. That has to get going more than anything. Some of those guys are on the bench. John Jansen from uh, Fox Sports the Gambler. Listen to him uh, and I uh, on the post game show. I'm on every other show. Tansy's uh, Joe Tansy's on every one. Uh, Sean will be uh, doing some of them too. Um, at Twitter, Jay Jansen thirty four. And uh, when's your regular shift? You still doing like a second, like a night side? At the, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm up to six now. So I'm six to nine most days. The show six ends at nine every day, but six to nine or seven to nine on most days, depending on program. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on, man. That was fun. We'll do it again. And uh, go Union.